the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Boo! Did I scare you? It's Rob Black and your money. The UK, China, and other countries have grounded the Boeing 737 MAX 8. After two deadly crashes that were eerily similar, Boeing is on the clock to respond. In the past, historically speaking, stock-wise, disasters have not been a bad problem for the airline companies. They've been something they've been able to work through, even something as horrific as 9-11. The 787 Dreamliner had a lot of issues. Airbus has had problems with some of their planes. Um, We'll see if it's Boeing's fault or pilot error or maintenance issues. The FAA of the United States has come out and said they're safe to fly. But I'll be honest with you, who wants to be on a plane that the FAA has to go out of their way to say it's safe? You kind of want that one not to be an issue, even if it's a, a PR issue that is manageable. So Boeing has to get in front of this. You're about to learn something on crisis management. And that's all I have for you. Ladies and gentlemen, please turn off your radio as this portion of the show is over. I kid. I kid. One of the more sad things that I'm looking at right now is 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 cutbacks. When the United States has a massive deficit, we eventually have to pay that stuff back. Or do we just continue to print money and service it and weaken the dollar? It's kind of a nice problem to have. Don't you wish you had that issue? Uh, dear Mr. Mullins, we regret to inform that you owe us $12,000. Honey, go to the printer. Print $12,000. Don't you wish you could do that? That would be kind of cool. Kind of cool. Cool. You're cool, Mr. Black. You're cool. The Education Department's budget's going to be significantly reduced under Trump's 2020 budget. Oh, boy. That, does that sound... You know what we need in the United States is we need high-paid, skilled employees because they uh, pay high taxes. A lot of people think that the problem in the United States is this college-for-profit business model, and I, I'm not against it. I think there's ways around it. I think we're told as children, if you don't go to college, you won't be successful. I think there's some truth to that. But see, that's where maybe I'm getting some false information, right? I can also tell you that colleges totally take advantage of the thought that, you know, parents want to send their kids to college. So, and and then you put $125,000 debt on either the parents or the kids. You're like, whoa, it's about to get worse, ladies and gentlemen, on the 2020 budget by President Donald Trump. Education department's budget's going to be reduced significantly. And listen at here, here, here's where it gets. It's called a budget for a better America. It's requesting $62 billion for the Department of Education, which is $7 billion less than last year. It eliminates subsidized student debt in which interest doesn't accrue on the loans while borrowers are in school or in economic hardship. It also reduces the number of repayment plans for borrowers and scratches the popular public service loan forgiveness program. Now, America's gone through a couple of things, a couple of cycles education-wise where uh, we do things like we push the Peace Corps, we push you know different service initiatives. If you go to school, like the United, the GI Bill, the United States government will pay for it if you give three years service to the uh, United States government and the military. 
sometimes that's not a bad deal. Sometimes it's a, usually that's a pretty good deal, especially to be like a doctor, a pilot, a lawyer. Not only do you get your school paid for, but you get to practice what you learn pretty aggressively. So, for instance, my brother David went to law school. Government paid for it. He did the service in the Marine Corps. And his first year, he had to prosecute these just disgusting, horrible human beings that did horrible things as Marines to other people. And the next year, he had to defend these. Exactly. Like, he got to, like, learn both sides of it, which is kind of cool. Um, and today, Dave Black is is setting up to be a judge. After years of service to the Marine Corps and, and then his own private practice, he's, he's now not only going to prosecute and not only defend, but he's going to judge. And I think that's pretty darn cool. Um, so cutting entitlements or eliminating public service loan forgiveness or cutting subsidized student loans, Pell Grants and things like that, uh, it's very, 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 very negative for our country, in my opinion. What I would like to see our Congress mandate... And I know this is insane, but I think this would go really, really far, is something along the lines, not free, but a really, really good um, community college program nationwide. So you're not saying, okay, kids, you get to go to a state university. No, but you do get to, if you're a taxpayer, maybe go to a community college. We need something in that area of a little bit more education beyond the co- uh, behind the high school. If we're going to thrive as a nation... Um, we need a better educated workforce. I hate to say it. Um, I hate to say it. Sadly, I know people in my family who sometimes work on bridges and things like that that probably shouldn't be working on bridges, if you know what I'm saying. Eh? Eh? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm an idiot. One of, the, one of the themes out there is that international stocks can be set for a decline because of weakness that we've seen due to... Just basically 2009 economic conditions. I'm not going to say Trump. I'm not going to say tax issues. I'm not going to say China. I'm not going to say interest rates. But we're saying global weakening. But here in the United States, we keep hearing this job report is good. This job reports, nothing but job reports, nothing but job is good. So maybe you think of a small cap investment, something that only has exposure to the United States and not necessarily the international empire. The Russell 2000 index comes to mind. It's an index of small cap companies. It's up 13% for the year, beating the 10% return of the Russell 1000, which is a lot of large caps. Small caps are beating large caps. Good guys shoot bad guys. Bad guys die. I know. Small caps are beating large cap. In large part because there is that kind of global purchasing manager's fear of being correlated to economic conditions worldwide is, is, is kind of lumpy right now. You know... I have an airline joke, but I can't tell it right now because the Ethiopian Airlines, it's too soon. I was about to throw down an airline joke, and I'm like, I can't do it. Anyway, valuations for global small caps look reasonable. I know you're saying global small caps. Yeah, sometimes countries don't have to do business outside their own country. That's not the definition of a small cap, by the way. But small capitalized companies tend to have a good idea and they build their business locally, and then they, they tend to expand it later. And that's when they become mid-cap, large-cap. So consider a Morgan Stanley country index, small cap index, like the ACWI, or even like a Russell 1000 in the, in the U.S. No, no, Russell 2000. Russell 1000 is a large cap company. It's Russell 2000 small. That makes no sense, but you got to go with it. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up in Burlingame next Thursday. This, it's coming up.
It's right around the corner. You can learn more on the 20, uh, about the 21st at robblackshow.com. It's Rob Black Show. It's income and retirement. Super important stuff. It's what to invest in now and much, much more. robblackshow.com. Use code radio25 to get in far free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Hello, is this on? I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Oh, boy, the investment cycle. In the United States, we are in a long bull market. But there's been longer bull markets. There's been 16 years in the UK, from 92 to 2008. There's been 20-plus years in Australia in the past. So it's not unheard of. It just feels like, hey, maybe a recession's around the corner. But if investing for a recession is not an investing plan, if you're like, I'm pulling my money out of the market because a recession's coming, okay, Paul Revere. Well, Paul Revere was right. The British were coming. And they were right to grab your weapons and do whatever you had to do. I, I get it, but that doesn't work, and that doesn't work in stocks. It doesn't work in recessions. You don't invest for a recession. You can say, "I want to book some of my gains. It's been a good run. I want to buy some more of my losers." As far as sectors go, maybe you're rebalancing, but you don't say, "I'm out." You know, if every hand of poker you dealt cards and you pick up your cards and you go fold next hand, fold. You're not going to last long at that table. If you're with me or against me, you need to choose a side. This is a civil war. Best thing you can do as a young person is max out your 401k, 403b, 457. Chipotle is giving out $250,000 free guac and chips. Now, how can you get $250,000 of free guac and chips? Not that difficult. Here's how. Fast casual restaurant, that's fair to say, right? Chipotle rewards now available nationwide. They've got a rewards program. Rewards program, you're hearing more and more about these. Basically, to show people how it feels to get rewarded, Chipotle is saying, hey, let's give people 25,000 Chipotle fans per day a chance to win up to a quarter of a million dollars by using their app. No purchase necessary, but you got to use the app, right? It's a Venmo cash relationship kind of thing. ChipotleRealWordMe.com. You submit your phone number associated with your Venmo account. Winners are alerted by Venmo. And you have a chance to win big money. And it's, it's the, what I'm trying to get at is the rewards program. There's something about stickiness programs. Amazon does a pretty good job with small businesses. Not, no, excuse me, not Amazon, but um, American Express. I had the AM right. They do a pretty good job with American Express and small businesses, that partnership. So it's kind of a relationship. So when you see Chipotle trying to say, hey, we're going to give out a quarter of a million dollars. We love guacamole. You love guacamole. Who doesn't love guacamole, right? And then you get in this whole Latin American country say guacamole. Some countries say guacamole. I think we need to have a summit on what do you actually say. Is it the HG or is it the GG? GG, brother. Um, Honda's recalling a million vehicles. Now, Chipotle doing the stickiness with the app, right? Stickiness with the app subscription, right? Then you see Honda recalling a million vehicles for unsafe air uh, airbags. And here's where a rewards program shows you stickiness of a customer. And here's where like a, a story of a million vehicles being recalled. Um, Honda's going to call a million vehicles. Do you know how much damage is done by that? It's like the whole 787 MAX Boeing thing. Some countries will say, I'm going to stay away from that just in case. Some businesses will say, I'm going to stay away from buying one of those just in case. When Honda says they have a million older vehicles in the U.S. that have airbags that ultimately could fail in saving your life, 
You're like, I want a car with an airbag that saves my life, not one that could fail. The damage is pretty damning. The Accord from 2001 to 2007, the CRV from 2002 to 2006, the Civic from 2001 to 2005. So these are really late model. I mean, old vehicles, vehicles that were made prior to 2008. That's like, whoa. But if you hear the story that Honda's having a recall, at some point in time, it, it, you say, I'm not, I'm not buying into that one. I'll, I'll just pass on that one. So do you see where I'm going out with that? Not as an investor, but as a consumer, recalls are pretty darn damning. On occasion, you'll hear stories like some Verizon users lost the ability to text buddies on the East Coast, in the Northeast, in the Southeast, somewhere. And you'll go, I, I want to be able to text people. So there's a lot of what are called PR stories that you could kind of read between the lines and help make a case. I never, ever, ever want you to make your financial decisions based on any one story or any one thought. Do you have any people email me and go, I hear, and then it's something like President Trump, President Obama, President Bush, fill in the blank. I hear said president is going to do this, therefore I should invest in that. No, that's not building a case. That's that's one. That's how one angle is, is thought up. So a major flight attendance union is calling on U.S. regulators to investigate the plane involved in two crashes in five months. The Boeing Airbus, uh, the Boeing uh, 747 MAX uh, 8, not 747, 737. My bad, my bad. Um, but yeah, it, there's a little bit of, I'm not going to say the word piling on, because that seems to be in poor taste, but Boeing has to get out in front of this fast. Apple stock is cheap no matter how you slice it, so says one analyst today. Yesterday, Bank of America's upgraded the stock to buy, saying the pullback presents opportunity. It was up five bucks yesterday. I own shares of Apple. Um, the analyst Bank of America said modest reacceleration in services, growth across healthcare, wearables, increasing services, penetration. Um, so a lot of analysts now are, are asked to respond to that upgrade. And one of them is an advisor with a global company. Uh, she says that Apple, based on its valuation, is cheap relative to its growth. The company has continued to put its earnings uh, after earnings. And so they think if you look at over the long term, you would consider the stock a value. Okay, so that's a weird one, right? Apple is a value stock. Do you want growth? Do you want growth at value? Do you want value? Risks come with growth. Fewer risk, in theory, comes with value. Except for, as Admiral Akbar once said, it's a trap. You got to watch out for value traps. Companies that are slowing down but continue to slow down and slow down and slow down, and it never stops. You know that that little wound that won't heal. A little scab that you pick at. Uh, analysts are today saying it's not a trap. It's a valuation buy. And they're responding to Bank of America making a strong statement. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
news is writing itself today. Boeing stock is plunging again after Australia joined Singapore. Airlines in suspending 737 MAX flights. This just in... The UK has grounded all Boeing 737 MAX aircraft as well. Boeing's going to have to come out later this morning and say, we're going to ground it voluntarily. And check back with us when we have an update to the software or something to pass along. Um, I don't know a lot about 737 MAX jets. I do know that Boeing is working on a software update, not necessarily fix. I'm not going that far. Don't get me sued. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's still out there. So more news or news. Can there be more news or is it just news? There's news right now that more countries have grounded the 737 max. And that's a big story today. It's not the end all be all, nor should it be, but it's out there. So Boeing is backsliding and they're a big part of the Dow Jones industrial average 30. Now, historically, I want to say this. That anytime there's been an airline situation where Airbus or Boeing has run into a crash or two, or a smoky cockpit or two, and who doesn't like a smoky cockpit, if you know what I mean? <laughs> What's it mean? I don't know what that means. Um, anytime that the big airline makers have run into problems, they've been able to work themselves out of it stock-wise. Sometimes it's just saying, look, we're going to do what we need to do. Sometimes it's the FAA stepping in and saying, look, we're going to shut you down until we know. But now, in Indonesia, there was a 737 MAX crash. And again, I'm only repeating what I've been told by other experts. That one can be discounted as a one-off. Ethiopia and Ethiopian Airlines have a uh, crash. Not so much. Ethiopia is the largest flyer in all of Africa. They've got a healthy and robust um, aircraft uh, inventory. Uh, it's not a... It, they've got some of the best pilots in the world. It's a well-trained nation on flying. I know you say, I've never left the country. All I know about Ethiopia is, aren't they hungry or something like that? Feed the world? There's something along those lines in your memory that's kind of right, but you have to kind of update it a little bit, too. So, 737 MAX is in the news. Elsewhere in the news, we get a little bit of a lift from some of the positives. Um... The U.K. Attorney General Jeffrey Cox has concluded that the legal risks to the U.K. with a new deal remains unchanged since the U.K. would have no lawful means of exiting the backstop arrangement. The whole Brexit thing just goes on and on and on. And the way the countries are currently set up, there's a lot of, of, of fair trade or easy trade or frictionless trade between the countries. And they're saying, you know, people like auto manufacturers, not manufacturers, but uh, auto repair companies, because they have to get parts from this country and that country and that country to make it instantly go out of business. I, I, I don't know. Brexit has never felt like a super negative long term. In the short term, there is going to be massive hiccups if it does happen. 
but the politics in Europe are so different than the politics in the United States. We would have cut off our arm already. The UK is trying to figure out how to do it like patiently and diligently without causing a lot of blood. The UK has a lot on its plate right now. So, Miss um, May could face another defeat on the other side of today's meaningful vote. There's a lot going on right now. If so, it paves the way for a vote tomorrow on whether to endorse a no-deal Brexit. A no-deal Brexit? Can you do that? It feels like England woke up and goes, elections were yesterday. Uh, who, who, Who did I vote for? It seems like it's a sticky wicket. They can't get out of it. Elsewhere in the news, the CPI today up two-tenths of a percent. I know the core, no, the consumer, yeah, the consumer price index, the CPI. Now, there's two price indexes. One's kind of like the middleman, and then there's you, the consumer, who's the consumer. How much inflation hits the consumer? How much inflation hits the manufacturers? Those are kind of important things, but again, dull, boring. Boring, Will Robinson, boring. But when you see total CPI is kind of tame, it kind of gives the Fed that thing that they do. Patience. Patience to raise interest rates. And that should bode well, ladies and gentlemen, for you, an investor. Maybe not, but that's the way I'm playing at this point in time. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Big event coming up in Burlingame on the 21st of this month. You can sign up for it at Rob Black Show. Use code RADIO25 to get in for free at 6.30 on Thursday. And uh, good free parking as well. Anyhow, and anyway... Morgan Stanley is talking about Tesla today because they're in the news. Morgan Stanley and Tesla, what, what's being said is not good things for Tesla. Three years ago, I was driving a kid around. I know you're saying, are you an Uber driver? No. I was driving a kid around and he goes, my dad has a Tesla. And I wanted to turn around and just punch the kid in his nose. I did it, because that would be a crime, right? That is not a so, behavior, okay? But I thought it. Uh, it was interesting, because, you know, Tesla's now, are, they're turning into more and more kind of like a car that maybe a, a tool would drive. Again, I'm not trying to turn off any listeners. If you have a Tesla, bless you. If you have a Tesla and you're listening to AM radio, what's wrong with you? But Morgan Stanley is telling clients that Tesla's recent price cut suggests that the electric car maker is hitting softer demand. There's something about two weeks to make your Tesla that makes investors really concerned. There's no demand. So the analyst at Morgan Stanley is cutting his 12-month price target to $260 um, on Tesla. So what's further inside his note is the company is undergoing multiple transitions with sales momentum slowing, shift to online channels, management change, and set a foot into China, and early Model Y unveil, amongst other things. The Model Y that Tesla is promising is basically saying, we have to have another something for you to talk about. Look, 
I'm the wizard. Don't look behind the curtains. Look, I'm the... Who's that guy behind the curtains? Wait, don't look behind the curtains. Here, I'm giving you the behind the curtains. Tesla coming out with another product. It was too soon. They had their Model S. Then they had their, you know, X-Wing TIE Fighter model. Uh, Then they have their new one who's cheaper than the Model 3 is cheaper than the S. And the more to-does that they do the more you're like, wait, wait, what's your demand? You used to have demand out, like, wasn't there like 400,000 people waiting to buy a Model 3? There was. So Tesla's running into a demand issue. Does it feel a little bit too early for that? Is that a problem? It is. Because it's valued as a hyper-growth growth stock. You could value a company as a... um, an income player, a boring old utility. But even those get into trouble, right, PG&E? You could value it as not just an income, but maybe a little bit of growth and some income. And you can see some old companies that have been around for hundreds of years, like Johnson Johnson, Procter & Gamble, GE, that never get in trouble. Wait, wait, they got in trouble? So you got income, you got growth and income, then you get growth where the company doesn't have to share a dividend with you because they don't have to share their cash with you because like they're growing. And then there's hyper-growth where they're not only growing, they're growing so fast that they're losing so much money you don't even care as an investor. So a Tesla would be a hyper-growth company, and when they're, they're slowing their orders, uh-oh, watch out below. An Apple would be kind of a growth company where we're like, we, they still make a lot of money, but they're not growing that much. So maybe it's their growth and income kind of company. So you have to be able to put all your companies that you own in a box. I like everything in boxes and test tubes. I'm a big test tube kind of guy. I know you're saying, is he kidding? I would eat my whole meal out of a test tube if I could. Anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, and more. MasterCard and Visa are looking to set uh, more disruption in the peer-to-peer payment landscape. These aren't companies that you exactly think of as peer-to-peer players, but they're working hard to extend their cross-border money transfer capabilities. It's interesting because I heard a quote the other day that really struck me as, I'm that stupid. Cash, poor people pay more for cash than wealthy people do. And I'm like, whoa. And the quote went on to basically say that people who are wealthy don't use cash anymore. People that are not wealthy still use cash. Isn't it fascinating and just a, a fun concept to play with? So MasterCard has an acquisition of TransFast and Visa's potential acquisition of Earthport further proved that the companies are trying to go after digital payment flows on cross-border you know, business-to-business payments. I like what I'm seeing from those companies, MasterCard and Visa. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up in Burlingame. Learn more at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 Coffee, I like my coffee black. I brought black. 
Talking all things financial money, investing more. The big story today, obviously, Boeing. We're starting to see more countries pile on and saying we're not going to fly the 737 MAX 8s in our airspace. Um, China and the U.K. are the two biggest. But you get other countries as well, and suddenly Boeing's got a problem on its hand. It's the crash in the Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 had eerie similarities to the Lion Air crash in October, which is also involved a Boeing 737 MAX. And people are freaked out. So people are freaked out. So watch how Boeing handles this. Is this the company that you want to own for the long term? Is this company that you want to hold for the, hold for the short term? How important is your cash to you? How important is your access to the money that you have invested? All fairly important things to think about. I'm pretty done with uh, internet memes. Are you? A son shared a photo of his discouraged dad in his empty new donut shop. My dad is so sad because no one is coming to his donut shop. Uh, 320,000 tweets and retweets and situation. No. I don't know what to say about that. Anyway, uh, Elizabeth Warren has been going after Fang stocks as part of her campaign 2020 presidential election cycle thing, where she's basically saying that companies that have over $25 billion, she's starting to get a little more specific with it that they can't work with each other the way they're doing it. Facebook and Instagram, if they're both pulling in $25 billion in revenue, like that she's, her thought is, is we need to shut this down to give people more options. And probably the easiest way of saying it is Apple has iTunes and the iTunes, uh, the App Store, right? The App Store is pretty darn powerful. It's a place you can go on your phone and you can get product that you want. Sometimes you pay for it. Sometimes it's free with in-app ads. Sometimes it's free overall. Um, And Elizabeth Warren saying if that's the case, she wants what's App Store. It's run by Apple. But she wants uh, another store that you can get on your phone to get the same or different apps at different prices if that's how competition is going to flourish. How do you feel about that? Would you want a secondary app store or would you go, that's too ghetto? People who own Apple phones tend to, in my opinion, have on their hands a status symbol. I used to work with a news anchor here at Cron, and I'm on KDOW right now, but I work also on TV. But at Cron, the guy wouldn't put his Apple iPhone in a case because he's like, this is luxury. Why would I? Why would I hide it away? He basically implied it was like, you know, covered up a pretty woman. And I'm like, okay, I, 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 I hear you. It is kind of well-designed product. But do you want a secondary app store on said well-designed product? I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you, like, I don't mind that I'm putting another company's competition at risk because I like my Apple. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's always fine as long as it's like, I don't mind if there's trash dumps in the world. As long as they're not in my city. So Elizabeth Warren also saying companies like, you know, Google. And they've got too much power where you have a Google phone. 
and then you have Waze on your Google phone, and they kind of both make money. So now they're like almost double punching the consumer in her mind. I love Waze. I can't tell you how many times I feel Waze have saved my life on road trips. Not literally saved my life on road trips, but figuratively, where there's an accident, I had to get off on this little road. Ding, 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 ding. So I, what's interesting about Waze is I probably use classic example of cell phones, right? I probably use as, as little of the actual information as there is out there, but I still love it. It's like we have so much computing power in our hands, and we never use it, but we love it. Anyhow, Elizabeth Warren, that's going to be a big issue in 2020 because the populist movement, America has two extreme politics right now, extreme left and extreme right, right? Correct. And her platform is going to be heard for the next 18 months. And if she sticks with this platform that Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, um, aka Alphabet, and Apple are too big, these companies may get pressured into doing something or they may get congressional action into doing something. I can't tell you where we are politically on that front. We're not there yet. But the more people get, the more this gets front and center, the more curious I get on the ramifications on the stocks. So, and again, I'm not saying sell. I'm not saying buy. You always need to consult broker advisor before taking action in the stocks. And he mentioned on radio ever, ever, never, ever. So, that's up there. Uh, big acquisition yesterday NVIDIA buying Melanix. It, it kind of says the ball's rolling, that there's something coming up in demand. NVIDIA's willingness to open up the checkbook really says data center, cloud computing, artificial intelligence. Big trends in tech are still alive and relevant. Those are the areas you want to focus on. NVIDIA wouldn't be acquiring them just to kind of break even. No. Sometimes you see acquisitions like the food space, the grocery space, where they're just trying to get shelf space. And sometimes they actually put that product down after they buy it just to get it off the shelf space. Uh, but semiconductor is a little different. So those are some key buzzwords. If you want to type in cloud computing investing, artificial intelligence investing, data center investing, you'll get some good ideas to start your homework on. Big seminar coming up. 21st in Burlingame. Learn more about it by going to newfocusfinancial.com or robblackshow.com. Use the code radio25 to get in for free. Big income and tax planning seminar in retirement. You can learn more by going to Rob Black Show or newfocusfinancial.com. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.